0: It's now my pleasure to invite our spiritual director, Reverend Patrick Cameron, to come forward.
1: Good morning. I received an email uh, this last week that uh, said that a uh, team of British British archaeologists had dug down 20 feet and found an ancient copper filament and concluded that the British had discovered the telephone and uh, uh, over 200 years ago. And so an American scientist, not to be outdone, dug down 25 feet and found a copper filament as well and said, well, as a matter of fact, the, on the American continent, we had... Uh, communication through copper wire about 225 years ago. So not to be outdone, Mick O'Connor in Ireland dug down 30 feet and didn't find anything and decided that the Irish had gone wireless 300 years ago. (laughs) So I'm going to invite you to sing a song with me and, and to say a prayer. And I'm going to invite you to Whether you stand or sit, to open your shoulders and your heart and honor that that spirit. We are spirit. And so to just dignify that and that elegance, the divine acknowledgement of who who we are and whose we are. In this very room. So know with me the one life, the perfect life. It is that sweet silence between the thoughts, between the notes of the song that give it form. And so what I know in this moment as I stand with you in this conversation, where I slow down right here and right now, and listen deeply with my whole being. Something wonderful and powerful is sustaining, supporting, resourcing, and supplying each and every one of us. And it is in that divine conversation, when deep calls unto deep and deep answers, that we many times find the strength, the wisdom, and the inspiration to continue on this journey, this thing called life. And so I celebrate all of it. And I give thanks for all the beautiful teachers. I give thanks for our beautiful teacher and speaker who is with us this morning, for our practitioner corps, for our volunteers, for the many, many prayers and intentions that have gone forth that allow us to be together in this form, this day. Prayers that go out to people in this community in ways that we cannot imagine, and the families of members of this community who are suffering in some way. There is enough, there is enough love in this room for everyone. And so let myself and you be so full of that unconditional love that it, it is supplied and known wherever it is necessary in this moment, absolutely and completely. This is our opportunity. And with that said, I give thanks. I release these words, and I invite you to say with me, and so it is thank, you. thank you, Brown, and thank you, Martin. once again. It is uh, great uh, it is always wonderful to be part of a vibrant community where we can we can invite um, teachers and mentors and, and people that have gone before us and done so much amazing and wonderful work at the level of consciousness and spirit that we we know is so precious, and our speaker today is uh, past president of our organization, the International Centers for Spiritual Living, uh, was the senior pastor at the Reading Church for a number of years, a very vibrant and, and dynamic community that continues to be a thriving community to this day. And and as the life would have it and as his ministry continues to unfold, he is, his ministry has taken uh, a different form. And a result of that and a benefit for us is he's able to be with us here this weekend. We have brought him in to do the volunteer appreciation on Friday evening, which was wonderful, our practitioner retreat yesterday and today to, to share his wisdom, his consciousness, his joy, and, and love with us this day in this, in this format. So please help me welcome to our platform Reverend Dr. James Golden.
0: You have arrived. It's a great teaching from a Buddhist teacher, Thich Nhat Hanh. You have arrived. You are home. Breathing in, peace. Breathing out, smile. If you visit uh, one of the uh, teaching centers of Thich Han and his tradition, whenever a bell rings, and it's interesting because the telephone is hooked up to a bell outside, so the bell rings frequently. Whatever you're doing, you stop. Breathing in, peace. Breathing out, Smile, and then, in a good Buddhist run, <laughs> you move on. He's uh, he's a great treasure, Thich Nhat Hanh. great, great, and wonderful human being, and uh, he does uh, he does travel, so you you might uh, find an opportunity to. Uh, visit with him or some of his teachers and uh, I would recommend that if you, you, know, you see that uh, somewhere accessible to you can't really underestimate the value of um, receiving teachings from, from people that have taken them so deeply and embodied them so well so maybe a Buddhist kind of story would be good Long ago, in a faraway land, there was a small village on a river. And it was a very wonderful village. People lived very well. They were very happy together. And although they were very simple fishermen, they had enough to eat. And the community was very cohesive and very healthy. And things were very well. there was one uh, standard or value that they had. And that was, it was unacceptable for a man and woman to have sexual union outside of marriage. And so, most people found a way to honor that, and all was well. But there was a young man and a young woman who fell very deeply in love And they did make love, and they were not married. And no one would ever have known, but she became pregnant from that union. And as young people, they really didn't know what to do, because the rule was that the father of the child would be ostracized forever from the village whenever that was revealed who that was. So for many months, they didn't really do much of anything. They didn't know what to do, and nobody knew. But as you can imagine, around eight months later, nine months later, there was no disguising the fact that this young woman was pregnant. And everyone knew that she wasn't married. It's a very small village. There's just no question that something had happened outside of the bounds of what was acceptable for their time and their culture. So... The village was called together, the woman was called out, the head chieftain said, my dear lady, I know it'll be painful, but you must reveal the father of your child. You know the rules. Well, she'd been thinking about this. And maybe it wasn't the best thing to do, but she thought maybe this will work. Maybe this will get me out of trouble and won't Make my beloved have to leave. So, this is what she said: said, You know, I was hoping this day would never come, because I know what I'm going to tell you is going to be a shock to this whole village. She said, You know, up on the hill where there's the monastery and lives our beloved monk, he's the father. One day he caught me unawares and without my permission he made love with me. I was hoping somehow nothing would come of it because we value him so much. But that's the truth. Because she knew they weren't going to throw the monk out. He was too well integrated into the community and too well respected in love. And somehow he could ride out this difficulty And if anybody could deal with that challenge, it would be the monk. So she thought, okay, you know, you can do all that Buddha stuff, you know, and he'll be okay, and I'll be okay, and my lover will be okay. Just a hint, it's never recommended to lie anywhere in life, but it's just a story. Well, what happened next was that the people, of course, were outraged, outraged that their trusted monk would have done such a thing. So they got together as a group, led by the chief, and they marched up the trail to the top of the hill to the monastery, walked up to the gate. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. They waited a few months after the child was born and with the child in their arms, this is important, with the child in their arms, they walked up to the monastery. The gates open and everybody was very, uh, nobody had told the monk. So the monk had no clue what had been said. So he greets the people. He sees, oh, there's a new child in the community. How wonderful. They thrust the child into his arms you're the dad, you raise him! Huh! They turn around and walk out. So there's the monk, child in arms. Ah, so this is my challenge. Well, time goes by, seasons come and go. Years go by. Every ceremony that was to be performed, the monk seemed to do it even better than he'd ever done. There seemed to be more love, more connection, more inspiration, more devotion, more sacredness. Whatever the need of anyone in that community ever was spiritually, he seemed to be there sooner and stayed longer. And the people were amazed. And they thought, boy, he must have really learned his lesson well. Man, he's really being a good monk. He's doing a good job. Well, about 12 years had gone by. And now that little child was a you know, young woman. She was beautiful. She was well-educated. She was impeccable in her values, her commitment to the village, her commitment to humanity. She had been raised so, so well. And so the people got together down in the village. They didn't tell anything to the monk. They got together, and they were kind of thinking, you know, man, that monk has done such a great job with the child. You know, he has so many responsibilities and so many things he has to do. You know, we never gave him a chance to explain or, you know, we should probably relieve him of the burden of that child. You know, we should, we should bring that child back into us. She's old enough now and she can enter into the village and he can be left to meditate more and, and be about his duties. So without any notice, a little more of a humble mob walks up to the monastery. The door is open and there's the monk and this beautiful 12-year-old young woman and everything is happy and serene. Without any other words, someone from the village takes the hand of the young girl and they say, we're sorry, we're sorry, you know, maybe this is, we're sorry, We'll, we'll take her now. And they take her back down to the village. And as the monk's standing there, ah, so this is my challenge. you know it's a story but i bet you get the meaning i bet you know what that story is about you because there's a lot of other things that one can say than ah so this is my challenge you know like up yours and stuff like that you know <laughs> etcetera 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 You know, who do you really want to be? And the thoughts and the words that we allow to come out of us really determine who we choose to be. You know, no matter what we think we are, or what we hope we will be, or what our, even our prayers may invite us to become, we actually are what we think and do. That's what we really are. And uh, one, of my, one of my teachers, Don Miguel Ruiz, he has an interesting spiritual saying, liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> <laughs> and his point is that if we're not very skillful and careful, we can lie to ourselves. And in fact, people have died in this lifetime, living their own lie, whatever that lie may be, the lie that they're unfortunate, the lie that they're not good enough, but more importantly, the lie that I cannot be integrity with myself. And, you know, sometimes that might seem to be such a big job, such a challenging thing, that we might give up. Or we might give ourselves way too much wiggle room, room for wiggling. How many people here, now don't raise your hand because this is one of those things that you think about, but you don't have to let anybody know, but how many here get up in the morning and their prayer is, that they find more creative curse words. Because those people at work really need to hear my anger and my blame. But it must be in a new way. It must be creative. It must flow in such a way that it rips their heart out where I may step on it to the applause of many. Or something like that. How many here get up in the morning and say, Oh God... Please, I need to feel more guilty than I ever have. (laughs) I'm beginning to feel better. So please, shame, blame, and guilt. Send them my way. Oh God, teach me to lie. Even better than I've ever done in the past. You know, it's preposterous. And yet we may actually do some of those things. We may allow ourselves to really be unkind in one setting or another. We may allow ourselves, I think it's kind of a good word, to wallow, isn't that a great word, wallow in our guilt for our shame. We may feel so, so sweetly and beautifully self righteous in our blame of others. This is not recommended. This is not a good idea. This is not the path to eternal bliss. This is the express elevator to hell. Whenever you blame, you will suffer. Guaranteed. Where there is guilt, there is suffering. So this is the dilemma. This is the reality that we're in very powerful. And perhaps one can do whatever you've learned to do but you might remember something like ah, so this is my challenge. The neighbor's dog is barking at three in the morning and has been barking for several hours. Ah, so this is my challenge. The employee doesn't show up for the work. Ah, the partner, the spouse, acts like a human being. Ah, in fact, many times a day. Ah, 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 ah. Why not? Why not? So she knows. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen this before. This is what happens when God comes to this earth. A human being, for God's sake, a human being, Not a bit part player. Not a cardboard cutout. Not somebody's idea of who or what should be. A real one. A real human being. Noble and true. Humble and kind. With a heart that cannot... Be contained with a life, a life, a life that is beautiful beyond words. Just a human being. Are you in love with this human being? this human being in love. Human beings are a good thing. I know there's some press out there that's contrary to that. I know there's some TV shows that give a different message. Liar, liar, pants on fire. A human being is a good thing. A human being Is the best thing. All of them, whether you like it or not, tough on you. You don't like somebody, tough on you. You're wrong. You're flat out wrong. You don't get it. Do something about it. Wake up. Wake up. You've loved human beings, you're right. You are right, spot on. You got it in one hole in one, basket, hoop, whatever it is. (laughs) You got it. You love a human being? Yes. That's what's going on around here. Is it hard to love some human beings? Well, duh. (laughs) What are you going to do about it? You know, there's this little nagging thing What you contemplate, you, yourself, that would be you, 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 become. Whatever energy you send out from your mind, with your words, and with your actions, towards anyone or anything, even when no one's looking, is what's on your dinner plate. That is the nature of this realm. Thank God. Thank God. So this moment, this time, whether that's this moment, this time in Edmonton at this church, or this moment, this time, like this go-around, this incarnation, is the minimal chance. The minimal chance... That that human being that she so beautifully is shared, expressed, is known for what it is in one's own self and in others. Is it a big job? It is the biggest job. As they say in the East, it's the maha, the ultimate, the maha job. But you know what? You're already employed. There is no clause to quit. You cannot stop. There's no way out. In the East, they say, nowhere to hide. Oh, well, there's nowhere to hide. You might as well go forward. And it's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. There's a way that I often like to uh, say goodbye. This is the end of the talk. And it's just to relate uh, a little episode, a little story that I've had in my experience. And the story is that I had gone to a meditation ashram in the Siddha Yoga tradition. And my teacher, Swami Chidvalasananda, was teaching a weekend retreat. So it was great. It was fantastic. Wonderful teachings and practices, immersion, personal spiritual experiences. Great. And like uh, any retreat or seminar or workshop you've ever gone to, you know, there, there comes the time, in this case on Sunday, late in the afternoon... We're going to be done here. So what do you think happens next? Announcements, you know, (laughs) the next program, the next class, how you'd sign up, you know, all this stuff, all the usual thing. And um, usually it was the tradition that uh, the Master of Ceremonies would be giving the final closing remarks and Swami Chitvalasananda, you know, somewhere in that would make your way off the stage, out. You know, and leave and things were wrapped up and then everyone would uh, be on their way so this is what master ceremony is giving some announcements and thanking various people for all the wonderful things they had contributed and such as that and uh, Gurumai gets up and she starts to walk towards the door she gets almost to the door and she just stopped turned around she walked back up Now she's walking back up, the MC is blah, 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 blah. He went and sat down. He knows. (laughs) So she sat back in her chair. And I'll do my best to try to uh, tell you what she said. You have no idea. You have no idea. Just how far you really have come. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could show you. I pray that you will see how far you have come. Lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. lifetime. You have sought God. And God has sought you. Do you realize that you have found what you have sought? Do you understand that God has been seeking you as much as you've been seeking him? And now, now in this lifetime, now you're this close. Oh, please, please, don't falter now.